Lord, there is a lot of upheaval around America, a lot of it I uh, agree with in portions. We've had a lot of tragedies in our nation this week. People are venting and people are letting their frustrations go. I think some of it is declared justified injustice. I know that all of our hearts are touched by the injustices that we may have seen on the news this week. But that is not the body of Christ. That is not the body of Christ. And that's not how we live. And that's not how we act. Amen. We love our neighbor as ourself. We love our brother as ourself. And so we want to pray for our nation. It's times like this that changes the keel or the direction of a nation. But we must have a praying church in order to set the nation in a different direction. If the church does nothing, then nothing will happen. If the church just complains, it'll be like my house. Ain't nothing happening because I'm not responding. I don't respond to complaint or criticism. I get lots of it at home, but I don't bend. But in our nation, it will take prayer. These things have been hidden, and now they're being exposed. Now the question is, what will we do with it? Will we pray that all of it will come out? Will we pray that hearts will be changed, altered? Will we change and pray and change things that seem to be normal? Status quo cannot continue. So we must, as Christians, rise up to the place where we are, put our shields together, and fight for our nation. Fight for our nation, fight for America, so that America can be saved. Amen? It's not just about us. It's about the world hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, let's turn our Bibles today to Acts 2, 1 through 4. We are talking uh, here in the next couple of weeks about Pentecost. We know that Pentecost is an outpouring of God's Spirit. So, it was a fulfillment of a prophecy of a prophet named Joel. Therefore, it tells us that it's something that is divinely appointed to happen. It was divinely appointed to happen during one of the three major feasts of Israel. It was a feast of Pentecost, the feast of harvest. It was a feast where people gathered. And that's why God had it happen on the day of Pentecost where the nations were gathered. The city of Jerusalem was filled with Jewish converts from all segments of humanity. And Israel was making converts of Judaism. And they are there and God has set it in motion to pour out his spirit. Now, once the Spirit of God comes upon individuals, churches, nations, then we understand that they are a new man. When the Spirit of God fell upon Saul, he became another man. He became transitioned into a new identity. He's one of the prophets. Now, your identity can be lost by your lifestyle, which Saul's was. But the initial touch of God on his life transformed him into a new man. He spoke as a man of God. He walked as a man of God. He lived among the men of God. And he learned from the men of God. 
And so God's Spirit, when it's poured out, God has something in mind. We are not to be the same. Yes, it is a great experience, but that's not the end of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It is only the beginning. Amen? In Acts 2, 1 through 4, and it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with all, with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were seating, sitting. And there appeared unto them, each one of them, cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here we see the outpouring. The outpouring would be more maybe recognizable to us today as an equipping. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you is now no more by might, not by power, but now it becomes the root and the enablement of God's hand upon a man, and in this case, God's spirit in men and women. And so it is a preparation. It is something that God has equipped us. We could call it the anointing, because that's what the Holy Ghost is. He is the enabler of every believer. That's why we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. He has provided the might of God. He has provided for us the Holy Ghost. And in Ephesians it says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. In other words, we are not to live by just strings of hopelessness and skills and manipulation of men and women's ability. We are to live by the endowments of a supernatural companion called the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that's how we are to live. Now, we sometimes live so separated so, or so distanced from him because we live in a world and we're always trying to figure out how to do things our way and then put God's name tag on it. Come on, we don't want to do something and then give God the credit for half accomplishing something. No, we have been empowered and enabled by the Holy Ghost. Now, that Holy Ghost is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And the Bible says that if the Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives in our mortal body, He shall quicken it. In other words, He shall infuse it with a supernatural residency of life. Hallelujah. And then the Bible tells us that we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowledge of understanding that our eyes might be open, that we may understand and know the power that God demonstrated when he raised him from the dead, but now is extended towards you and I. There is no lack of power, no lack of help from the Holy Ghost. What causes us to fall short so many times is we never consider his ability, his access, and he is as accessible and ready to help as Jesus himself because he said, I'll send you another, one just like me, an imprint, an image, one that is duplicating me. You can talk to him, you can walk with him, you can question him, you can ask for his help, you can ask for his wisdom, his involvement. As I've been with you, he will now be in you. And so we have to understand the Holy Ghost's job and his greatest desire is that we be involved with him and he be involved with us. 
Now, Jesus was very adamant about you and I living in that power and said to the uh, disciples in Acts 1-8 and in Luke 24-9, go and tarry at Jerusalem until, until you be endued with power from on high. We are to be endued with this power. And if we receive the Holy Ghost, then we have been endued with power. Amen? We have been endued with power. And we are to live under that power and take uh, the opportunity to access that power. One time I took Lincoln and Quentin into a... Uh, uh, filling station and they said oh Papa can we get that I said sure well I didn't know what a large monster mega drink does with it looked like it got slime down the can but I didn't know that it's like 40 cups of coffee so I bought them and let them drink them they're just enjoying themselves I'm enjoying being the uh, you know, the hero of the moment. Randy calls me the next day and says, Hey, next time you buy those kids another monster drink, you just make sure that they're taking it to your house because they've been up all night running around the furniture. Well, God wants us to get possessed so that we live out of something that is not our self. So we have been given power, power. Some, sometimes people say, oh, that's dunamis, that's it. Well, yeah, it is. That's the light meaning of it. But really what it means is that there has been infused into the believer this catalyst of perpetual running, re-energizing, increasing power on the inside of every believer. You can't run out of it. You can't use it all. You will never be short of it. It is inside of you and it is generating new life every day. It is enabling you to live a holy life, an empowered life, a supernatural life, a blessed life, and He is leading and guiding you in places that you have yet to discover. But that power is on the inside of you. It's like a generator. He is self-existent. Now He is in you. Therefore, He's providing everything you will ever need. Hallelujah. So we need not live under that. We need to live right into the fullness of it. Amen? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 2. 1 through 2. You know, we have... Well, let, let's just say this. How many religions do you think could topple or become non-existent, become non-threatening to take men to hell if every person lived in the power of the Holy Ghost. See, we think Christianity is an option. It's not an option. Those 70% of kids raised in a Christian home believe that Jesus is an alternative because they've never seen him trusted in their households. He is an option. He's one of many. And the generation that we have now, the danger of our generation is we say, oh, where did all this transgender, where has all this uh, uh, perversion of sex and all that come from? Well, it came from the void of God. When you don't have somebody defining what's right and wrong, guess what? People will come up with their own conclusions. 
But if we had a generation that had been raised in Sunday school, then they would have a foundation of their moral definitions. The only reason they are talking the way they're talking, living and dressing the way they're dressing, it is not their fault. It is the void of God that every house and every church has allowed to come in to the system to raise them up in a humanitarian society, which means a godless society. And so when they don't know right and wrong, and there's nobody to tell them right or wrong, what are they supposed to come up with? How do you know that a pig is a pig? Now, now, now let's just think about that. What do you think a pig is? What, what do you think a pig is? Well, that person over there on the third row, my God, you can smell him three rows away. He's a pig. Maybe. We say, oh, they eat like a pig. Maybe. I haven't stood around and watched many pigs eat, but maybe you are the expert of a pig eater or an eating pig. What do we call men that wear uniforms and drive around in black and white cars? Now, I don't agree with this, but what do we call them? Pigs. I'm not saying anything that people don't know and haven't heard or anything else. They're called pigs. But then we have a real meaning of a pig. Besides in-laws, we, we have a real meaning of pigs. Now, now people have even redefined this. They brought pigs from the barn to the house and not in bacon wrappings. They bring them in the house to live. I don't, I don't know about that. I, I don't know. We spend time cleaning our house. We don't spend time inviting creatures in to dirty it up. But I don't know what a pig does. Maybe, I don't know. I seen a cat the other day on YouTube sitting on a commode and going to the bathroom. And I thought, boy, I wish our kids would do that. And, but now we have pigs that are now pets. We redefined what a pig is. No, a pig is a pig that should be a pig that should be raised, fed, gotten fat, slaughtered, turned into bacon and sausage and ham for Christmas, and that's the extent of a pig. Well, I'm a vegetarian. Then raise broccoli that comes out in the form of a pig. But now what, see, we redefine stuff. We aren't supposed to redefine stuff. Amen? God gives us the definition. And if we will accept the definition of God, we will not have conversations like, well, you never know what God's going to do. Or you never had, well, we're hoping that God does. Or we'll never have, well, sometimes he does and sometimes he don't. Well, he knows more than I know. God knows if you really need it or don't need it. Really, that's not what the Bible says at all. But we have redefined the things of God. Let's not redefine the Holy Ghost. Amen. In 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, now concerning spiritual gifts or the enablements, the endowments of the Holy Ghost, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. Now, the reason he says these dumb idols because many of them are still active that these people have been delivered from. 
And it says, even as ye were led. Next one. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man, no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man, and when we say accursed, it doesn't mean we curse Jesus. It means that they strip him of identity. And then it says this, Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by, by the Holy Ghost. Is there a gospel without the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. It's argumentative. It's what we might call relevant. If you raise your voice, you offend people. If you uh, do anything that is just besides this, he moves too much and makes me dizzy. You were dizzy before you saw me move it. What I'm trying to tell you is that the Bible says that no man can really say, proclaim, or declare the deity of Jesus Christ, his origin, his virgin birth, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead without the person of the Holy Ghost confirming the words that he or she has declared. Can't do it. Remember when Paul came to Corinth, the same church, and he says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, he said, look, I didn't come to you with man's enticing words of wisdom. I came to you in power and demonstration of the Spirit that your faith would be in God. Is there a reason that there are even faithless people in our churches? Because it's theology only. We think knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power if it is understood, it is touched and spoken by the Holy Ghost, and the faith in that knowledge is deposited in the human spirit. Besides that, it's just knowledge. Amen? All right, so we see that no man, somebody say no man. Now, I'm not trying to be difficult, but we have to understand. When people say healing has passed away, well, what are you going to say about Jesus? He doesn't have power over sickness and disease, or he has power, but he just don't show up for you folks. He don't care about you. So we ought to have signs out front instead of uh, healing services, sickness services. Please come. They do that with the swine flu, right? They put it in us. Uh, I've never had a pig again. I, I don't think it's a swine flu at all. So anyway, we as Christians, when we don't have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. I'm talking about living in the power of the Holy Ghost, and that's what he wants to do in your life. We have to become aware and conscious of his desire. It's one thing if we have a mindset that we're trying to convince God to do something. I mean, I've actually told people, well, you're just trying to manipulate God. I said, if I can do it, I've been a failure with my wife. Because I can't manipulate her. She learned all of my shenanigans the first two weeks we were married. My grandkids now are using my shenanigans. Mom, Mom, I love you. And then they tell her the problem. She says, where'd they learn that? I said, I don't know, from a wise man. 
because love covers a multitude of sins. So if, if I tell her I love her, all the problems that she thinks that I'm trying to create by just asking for crumbs oh. is going to be resolved. And she'll hit me with a loaf of bread. All right, now, no man can say, somebody say no man. Please understand this is telling us that we do not have to argue the gospel. There is no one like Jesus Christ. There is no one that God upholds besides Jesus Christ. And there's no one that the Holy Ghost confirms being Jesus Christ. But it's going to take you and I to get involved. Well, what if I fail? Well, then you do it again. Well, what if I fail two or three times? Don't get discouraged. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Amen. Keep doing it. I don't know how many times I kissed Phyllis until she just said, okay, I give up. I'll marry you. Then later I said, man, I shouldn't have never got her the third dime. No, I'm kidding. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Acts 3.17. Acts 3.17. Really what we're talking about is that Jesus said in the end times, which has been in motion ever since the outpouring of God's Spirit, the fulfillment of Joel, in these last days, God would pour out a spirit. What we're talking about is that we are listening and allowing to have voices of here is a Christ, there's a Christ. Hey, over here's a Christ. Hey, we found a Christ. And what we're doing is allowing false identities to draw people away. Because there is no evidence of who Jesus really is. You say the cross. The cross is a great symbolism. And to me, it moves my heart. To me, I understand it. To me, I'm humbled by it. To me, I'm broken by it. To me, I'm encouraged by it. But really, to other religions, the cross means nothing. Why does it mean nothing? Because we have made it a conversational piece. It has become so ordinary by hanging on ears, on nose, on belly buttons, on car posts, on mirrors. The Bible says that even too much honey will make your neighbor sick. And so we've talked about the cross, we've condemned people through the cross, but we've never demonstrated the power of the cross. The power of the cross is a life changed. Amen? When I got saved, somebody didn't have to tell me that being a fornicator was wrong. Nobody had to tell me that cussing was wrong. Nobody had to tell me stealing was wrong, lying was wrong. Yet sometimes we find Christians living that type of life as if it's acceptable. So we say, well, I'm not going to that church. It, it's just full of hypocrites. I said, when they come, you'll feel at home. But why does the world see us like that? Because people that have went to the cross have not really experienced the new birth. They've come by a deal. Hey, you come, Jesus will heal your marriage. Maybe he will if your wife will listen. But Jesus might just be another male voice in her life that you've been, and she might reject him. See, you can't make people do anything. Well, what's the sense of praying? Because it will bring hope and God will deal with people. 
But God doesn't make people. Amen? Now, so, you know, we, we can't just... The gospel is not a bunch of promises. Broken lives for new lives. No, it's sin for righteousness. Now, the byproduct of righteousness is a restored life. But that is not the reason for the cross. Come on. The cross is there for one reason to say that man has sinned and God has brought a remedy. The gospel is that all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if they will repent, then Jesus will wash away their sins and nothing but the blood of Christ can wash it away. But we've made the gospel so many other things that it's really cloudy. It's not a new start. It's not a better life. It's not a better you. It's not peace. No, you are a sinner. And if any of that stuff happens as you grow in your faith, hallelujah. But if none of it ever happens, you still must cling to the old rugged cross. Because I'll tell you, there are lots of things in my life that never panned out the way that I wanted them to pan out. Lots of things haven't went right with me, haven't went well for me. I'm still $14 billion under my projected goal. Well, how much under are you? I just told you, $14 billion. Phyllis says we got money, but then she says, if I die, ask Nikki. Nikki's worse than Phyllis. I'm not asking her. I'm digging around for it myself. Now, look. See, now you might think what I'm saying is strange, but you just need to realize it's the God's truth. This is why conversion comes and goes. You know, I've never thought about backsliding. Never. What in the world would I backslide for? What would I go back to? I've been there, done that, tasted. It is bitter. And I'm not going back. Now, if yours can be overthrown easily, why? Run into Jesus. It'll look like you've been to a tattoo artist. You'll be changed. Amen? Will you glow? No. But you will be changed. Now, I'm not discouraging people to bring people to the cross, but I'm telling you that, you know, salvation is free. But when you lift up the front of the receipt, it costs you everything. And if you don't want to pay it, you can't have it. I was in a crusade one time and I gave a, this altar call and thousands of people came forward and I told Eric, tell the interpreter, tell those people to go back to their seat. They, they didn't even hear what I said. So I went back and, you know, got them all back in their seats and I gave another altar call. After explaining some more, they still came. I said, send them back. They, they are not getting this. I said, tell them this, that unless they're willing to lose everything they have, their family, their life, and all their money, and give it to Jesus, they can't be saved. I gave an altar call. Anybody know what happened? They come running. They understood the gospel. It's going to cost you. If you lay down your life, you'll find it. 
If you hoard it, you'll lose it. Praise God. All right. So, in Acts 3, 17 through 18, it says this. And now, brethren, I would that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. But these, those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath fulfilled. He hath fulfilled. How did Jesus establish his identity? He has several identities. Yes, he's the son of Joseph and, and Mary, and people recognize him. But when Jesus got filled with the Holy Ghost, God transformed his identity first to John, then to his disciples, then to a community, and then to a nation. But John had this revelation. When you see the Holy Ghost come down and set upon a man, he is the son of the living God. John's identity of Jesus transformed when he seen the Holy Ghost come upon him. Could again, get an amen? Absolutely. So here, when Luke says this in Acts, what he does is this. He confirms that Jesus Christ's identity, the present and his past, that Jesus has fulfilled all of the prophecies. He is the Messiah, to over 3,000 prophecies. He confirms his identity as being the son of the living God. And if you go to Acts 4.10, uh, down through 13, I'll just tell you what it says. Peter says this, that God hath glorified his son, whom you crucified, but he raised him from the dead, and now he is both Lord and Christ. Jesus' identity is in the accompaniment of the Holy Ghost moving through us to change and to deliver the bound and the diseased. Right? Okay, good. Let, let's go to Luke 4. 17 through 23, Jesus establishes his identity again. And you say, well, I thought the Holy Ghost was for this. The Holy Ghost is given you according to John the 14th chapter that when he has come, he will glorify him. Him. Our life, our whole life, is about glorifying Jesus Christ. It's not about us, not about things, it's not about this, not about that. It's about Jesus. Jesus. Could I get an amen? Jesus. And then it says this, and then was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And the Spirit of the Lord, notice the transition of the son of Mary, the son of Joseph, the table builder, the wood carver, the carpenter is now changing his identity because of the Holy Ghost. Because of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance unto the captives, and the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it again to the minister, sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. 
and all bear him witness and wondered with gracious word which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? No longer. No. He's not Joseph's son. He wasn't Joseph's son's 40 days ago when he left the Jordan River. He was the son of God. You and I are sons and daughters of God. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Well, now, how can you say that? Because Jesus said in John 17, Father, as you sent me, so send I them. He cannot send us into a world that is filled with devil's evil and wickedness, according to Matthew, and expect us to survive with anything less than the power over death. And so Jesus sends us. How does he come? He comes from the Father with the Holy Ghost and anointed with power in the Holy Ghost, and he's going about doing good. What is good? The good news is the gospel, and the good news is its confirmation. Now, you have been given the Holy Ghost, and the Spirit of the Lord is up on you. It is up on you. It is in you. Well, well where, where's the Holy Ghost? He's in you. Well, well I, I haven't heard him. Doesn't matter if you heard him. He's in you. Amen? And we are filled with the Holy Ghost. For what? To glorify Christ and to bring his identity to the forefront. I think one of the biggest things that takes place in churches today is that there's no signs and wonders. There's no miracles. Nobody gets healed. So all we do is we just talk and then make excuses. Then go out for pie and help people suffer through their suffering. Come on, we have the Holy Ghost. We have the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of the Lord is up on us because God has anointed us to glorify one Jesus Christ. Amen? And remember, we can't do it except by the Holy Ghost. So, God sends Jesus Christ, anointed. You and I are anointed with power and with the Holy Ghost. And you and I are going about not just saying the gospel, but living it and demonstrating it. That's the power of God. Amen? So we have power. Somebody say power. Praise God. When we begin to allow Jesus to be seen, then we allow the world to come to the cross. And every person in here, every person that has been filled with the Holy Ghost, you have power. You don't have to worry about anything not overcoming, not being overcome, not subsiding, not relinquishing. You don't have to worry about anything. All you have to do is act. Is just act. Start doing it. What if it doesn't work? Well, keep doing it. I prayed for a blind man one time, called him up in front of the church. Come on, praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to believe God prayed for him and prayed for him, prayed for him. I said, well, what do you see? He said, I'm still blind. I said, well, go back to the seat. I said, because I don't see any more than you see. I'm blind as a bat too. Now, was I ashamed? Oh, absolutely. 
Shouldn't have been. I was the only one in there with enough guts or dumb enough to call them up. Amen. Have I prayed for other people? Who didn't get? Yep. Yep, absolutely. But I've never given up. Amen. I never, ever give up. I will fight devils. I will fight sickness because I know that sickness is not a battle between me and God. It's a battle between me and the devil. Amen. God is my helper. Amen. Amen? And so you, somebody say me. Amen. You have been filled with the Holy Ghost for one reason, to glorify Jesus Christ. To glorify Jesus Christ. And so, let's go and let's do. Amen? Amen? This is what Pentecost is about. For God to have a nation born, filled with His Spirit, a nation that cannot be hid or put under a bushel, a nation that cannot be silenced, a nation that will be a reflection of Jesus Christ in all of His glory and His splendor. And if we do that, then we shall see the world come to the cross. Amen? When we go to other countries, I preach like 15 minutes. I know, I heard that. Wish to God you would have done it then and shut up so we could be on our way to the restaurant. I understand. But 15 minutes. All I do is just 15 minutes. Jesus came in the city. He healed people. He's here today to heal people. Well, Jesus came and he opened up blind Barmaeus' eyes. Well, well, you know, he's here to open up the blind eye and just... Just on and on and on, and guess what? Then I just pray. I don't ask anybody to get saved. I just say, do you want to be healed? Raise your hand, get ready, stand your feet, and they get healed. Then I ask them if they want to get saved. I'm coming, yep, and they run for the altar. Now, it's certainly not by my intellect, as you have experienced today. It's not by my eloquent speaking. It's not by my long messages, where I wouldn't tell stories about Phyllis to lengthen them. It's not about having all the knowledge, not about knowing everything. What it is, is about you believing it. And just doing it. Just doing it. Who's been overseas with me? Rob, Rob. Oh, yeah, Teresa was over there with her husband one time. You remember that little Muslim kid? I think that was the night that they brought that uh, kid shackled in chains. That was nuts, but they also brought a little Muslim boy. The maid brought him. His parents wouldn't bring him. She snuck him into the crusade. They came that morning. They said, you, you need to come to the crusade ground. I said, why? They said, they're lining them up and placing them in front of the gate. I said, well, service don't start till 7 o'clock tonight. They said, well, they're, they're here now. I said, well, make sure they got water and food. All I knew was, hey, I'm going to preach tonight. They brought this little Muslim boy in there with no hip. I mean, his hip just wasn't there. And we prayed for him, and that hip was supernaturally created in his hip. His leg became normal, and he went out of there rejoicing that God had touched him. Now, Rob, you was in Mexico, you didn't have a good experience because I said, Rob, I preached, and then I said, Rob, I'm tired, I'm going to the hotel room, and I said, Rob will conduct the miracle service and preach. And you didn't know you were going to do any of that. 
But did you pray for the sick? Hallelujah. Did you see any miracles? Easiest thing ever. Easiest thing, yeah, hallelujah. Easiest thing ever, ever. It just happened. Carol, you were in Mexico City. What did you see? You seen 81 deaf, dumb, and some cripples. What it was, and two mutes. You seen every one of them get healed. They were lying through the church outside the building, and they got healed, every one of them. You say, well, man, you must be a great man of God. Are you kidding me? Please. Hallelujah. Absolutely not. Now, Bud, you've had crusades. I was thinking about when we were in Russia. Remember when you prayed for the grandma? Oh, yes, Russia. We had a, a deaf and dumb school come. Yeah. Yeah. You prayed for the grandma, and God healed every one of the generations. Yeah, had grandma, daughter, grandkids. So they kept saying, oh, yes, I know, I'm related to them. So I went back up to Grandma and I said, so I see you're the start of all this stuff. I cast the devil out of her and God just healed them all. Just absolutely healed every one of them. Crazy. Man. They're still in the church over there with a... a brother Jacob. Yes, Brother Jacob. And, uh, but uh, then... The hospitals had people bringing ambulances out and dumping them off at the ground. And they'd get healed, and next night they'd come all dressed up in real nice dresses to celebrate their healing. I thought it crazy. crazy. Now, look. Yeah, in 40-degree weather. It was colder than a hooch out there, uh, and I don't know what a hooch is. What's What's a hooch? I don't know. Cold weather. Hallelujah. It's a place people get cold. It's a hooch place. And uh, so, honey, this is educational too. A hooch is like a... No, no. It's like a cooler. It's a hooch. And, uh, but God healed those people. And what I'm saying is this. Each and every one of you. Listen, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the lowliest person in here. God uses foolish things to confound the wise, so that tells you where I am on the totem pole of education and intelligence. You are filled with the Holy Ghost. And there is nothing greater than you in this world. And you can do anything that the Bible attributes to the name of Jesus or to the Holy Ghost. You can do it. I was telling Lincoln the other day, we, we was going across the lake, and man, it was blowing, and, and I said, man, Lincoln, I'm getting off this lake. He said, well, don't you know how to ride in rough water? I said, no, do you? He said, I don't know how to drive a boat. I said, well... We might know how to swim away from one. But I told him when I was young in the Lord, I had two people from my church, and they were pretty good-sized people. And they were sitting in the back of the boat, and this wind was blowing, and my boat wouldn't even plane off. So I'm going across the lake, straight up in the air, with like 15, 16, 70. It is white capping on white capping, and I am as white as a chicken. Nothing against chickens. It's just I was white as a chicken. Red as a chicken. Black as a chicken. Uh, speckled as a chicken. I was just a chicken. But I mustered up enough strength to crawl up that boat and put my head over the bow of that boat. And I said, I command you, be still. Lincoln said, did it work? I said, no. I slid back to the bottom, and I was still afraid, and I was chicken, and I thought that boat was going to sink right there. But I tried. Well, what do you do now in a storm, Pastor? I dock. I've got wiser. 
I've got the gifts of the Spirit, the word of wisdom. Don't go out, stupid. Now, you are filled with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has already conquered death, and He's in you. And it doesn't matter how you get to people. It doesn't matter if you have it in your house. It doesn't matter if you pray for somebody in a restaurant. It doesn't matter if you pray no matter where they are. I'm telling you, God will heal them. Why? Because that's what He has called you to do. Look at your neighbor. Cover your mouth if you don't know him. Somebody said, we need a new norm. We never were normal, and we ain't going to have a new norm. Who in the world is going to live like this the rest of our life? Are you crazy? Praise God. Hallelujah. Phyllis and I was thinking about having a, a virus baby. And uh, just to prove people we still had faith. And, and, uh, but we can't get any closer to people than six foot. So we haven't kissed in three months. I've been seeing her slobber and think about me, but I haven't been able to kiss her. Haven't been able to be around her. Have you, Jim? Not sure why. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No closer than six foot. We're like this. Good night, honey. Phil us. Tell the truth. All right, look at your neighbor and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He is in you. The works that Jesus did, you can do. Just move in faith, keep on moving, and you will start seeing. Do something where you're at. That's it. Praise God. Every head bowed just for a moment. Father, we thank you that the Holy Ghost is here to draw people. That no man could come unto Jesus except that the Holy Ghost draws him. Now, Holy Ghost, I ask you to speak to every sinner's heart. I ask you to speak to every backslider's heart. Draw them to Jesus today. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, you, you've never been a Christian. Or if you're here today and you're a backslider, you say, Pastor, I just need to give my life to Jesus. I need to exchange my sin for righteousness. My will for his will my path for his cross and I need for Jesus to save me if you're here today and you're not a Christian but you say I want to give my life to Jesus Christ or if you're a backslider you say I need to come back to the Lord now, it's going to cost you everything. Maybe if, if you've backslid, you just never gave it all. But if you're here today and you're wanting to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is no wave of a wand. There's no rose garden for you to enter into. There's no limousine waiting for you outside to take you home. But there is a Savior waiting to receive you. And his name is Jesus. If you were here today and you say, I'm ready to give my life. If you're a backslider, I'm ready to return. If you're in either one of those classes while every head is bowed, will you please just lift your hand up? Just lift your hand up. I see it. Anyone else? Lift them up so I can see them. 
Don't worry about everybody else. We all have to make this journey by ourselves. Anyone else, lift it up. All right, I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet right now. And those of you that raised your hand, please step out in the aisle and come down here and let me pray a prayer with you that Jesus will come into your heart and we will celebrate with you. Now, those of you that raised your hand, come on, put some action to what you did. Come on, come out. Okay. I think they're called undercover Christians. All righty, praise God. Let us pray for you. Hallelujah. Now, in the name of Jesus, somebody had a, a I don't know, a two-by-four or something that hit their uh, collarbone or their shoulder. Uh, if, if that's you, you had, you had uh, like a two-by-four something. I don't know if you were building something or working, but it hit your collarbone or your shoulder and uh, it hasn't healed upright. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up. Lift it up so I can see it. Is that you, bud? Okay, hallelujah. Come down, hallelujah. Good to see you. Do what? Backslider, she's coming well, back. Well, we're glad you're here. Fellas, will you come here and pray with her? Sure. We're glad you're here. Hallelujah. You pray with her, I'm going to pray with Bud. Just this week. Mm -hmm. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command right now, God, this damage, this soreness, this bruising of the bone, I command it in the name of Jesus. Loose him right now. Now, God, I loose the working of miracles in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. There you go. Praise God. You know, God knows everything we go through and everything we do. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lift up your hands towards heaven. Father, let the cloak of miracles and healing come upon these people right now. I speak to a, it's, it's like a, a, a blind spot, but it's like a cyst, more so than a blind spot, but it just takes sight away from that. I curse that, and it's in the left eye. And I curse that cyst right now. I command it in the name of Jesus. Come out of them. Go right now in Jesus' name. Now check for that cyst. You'll find that right now that it's already gone. Just check for it. You'll see that spot has opened back up. Hallelujah. Father, we want to thank you. And God, we ask that you go with us. We ask God that you would keep us until the day of the Lord. That God, you would reveal to us the snares and the temptations and the plans of the adversary. I pray God blessing. I pray increase. I, yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that God can take a season and make it more prosperous than the length of the season you had before. Amen. I do. I believe that. And uh, I believe that for men and women right now in your businesses in this place. Now, Scott Bechtel, I believe that for you. I believe that for you. That the season is not in the time and the length of it, but the season is what God brings into it. And I believe that your season is not going to lack of what it was last year, but that it will exceed that in Jesus' name. And I believe that for every business in this place. Annie Moody, I believe that for you. Jesse Compton, I believe that for you. Jimmy Pullman, I believe that for you. And every business owner in this house, I believe that for you. I believe that for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Marge, you, and Gordon, I believe that for you. I believe that for you. John, Nita, I believe that for you. I believe that for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And David, I believe that the more you work, the more you'll get. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I lose blessing, protection, deliverance, wisdom, counsel, and understanding upon these people. Let them go in the favor of God, and I thank you for it. Amen and amen.